I'd like to read with you in the Gospel of Luke, Luke's Gospel in chapter 19. Luke's Gospel in chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verse number 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up, saw him, said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, (coughs) This day... Is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is the son of Abraham. Verse 10. For the Son of Man <coughs> excuse me, is come. Notice how that is worded. The Son of Man is come, presently come, to seek and to save that which was lost. I think that if you were to follow through the Gospels, what we know to be the Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you would notice the different encounters that the Lord Jesus had with various people. And if you know something of the past of the Lord Jesus and that how he would literally give people sight, others that he would (coughs) bring back to life and heal a man's arm and so on, you'd see certain individuals and and their need and you'd say, I sure hope the Lord Jesus comes their way. Sure hope he crosses their path. Look at that man, it's so obvious that nobody here can meet his need. But there's this man called Jesus that could meet the need of that man. And just naturally speaking, you'd say, you know, hope they come in contact. But if you looked at this man by the name of Zacchaeus, you wouldn't think that. that. In other words, there was no obvious, there was no obvious outward evidence of a need that he had. Yet that need was so real. And he knew it. And the need, excuse me, the need that he had was the need of a savior. What he needed is what you need in the meeting tonight. If you are not saved, he needed salvation. And to have salvation, you need a Savior. That's the one that we're going to talk about tonight. But first of all, I want to talk to you a little bit about this man, Zacchaeus. How do you sum up a man like this? You know, I've had, (coughs) excuse me, maybe like some of the meetings tonight, I have heard uh, preachers kind of beat up on him pretty severely, that he was a tax collector and that he took money he shouldn't have and this and that. Some of those things could be very true. But it's interesting that his name, Zacchaeus, and names in the Bible are always significant because they have a meaning, meaning to them. His name in the Hebrew means pure, pure. He was a man that was trusted by Rome. There was trust that was put into this man. In other words, he was responsible for collected taxes to be kept and delivered in tight to Rome. So there was a a measure of trust that was put into this man's hands. Rome trusted him, Zacchaeus, and it's, it's his own volition, it's his own choice, it's his own willingness to do it. He says to the Lord, if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. 
And the Lord never said, well, you can't do that. He never said to him, you don't mean that. That was a statement of truth. So there's something to be said when I think about this char- the character of this man, the commissioner, if you like. Today he would be called the commissioner of taxes. But be his character as it was, maybe his name didn't mean pure. There was something that he obviously needed. This man sensed something missing in his life. Now I could be speaking to people tonight, there's lots of things missing in your life. Maybe there's happiness and it's not there. We live in a very unhappy world. Certain things in your life you're hoping that you eventually are going to arrive at. You're eventually going to own. You're eventually going to have. And those things are missing. Well, I want to tell you the greatest thing missing in your life tonight is a Savior. Every person that is saved is going to heaven. And they've had a time where they have trusted the Lord Jesus who said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Now at verse number 10 tells you what this kind of a man this man was. He was a man that was lost. He was lost. Just on the way coming across from 17 tonight, I noticed a sign outside of a church uh, on their bullet board that said this. If you are lost... Jesus can be your guide. Yeah, maybe. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you're lost, you need a Savior. And a Savior is far more than a guide. A Savior is one who can reach you in your present condition and can save you. So the character of this man was, well, exemplary. There's lots that were worse than him. He could have looked down at society and thought, hey, listen, I don't do what that man does down there. I know that fellow that collects from people and pockets this and does that. And he would maybe would have drawn back and said to you, I wouldn't do that. You know, when I speak with people, there's always something they wouldn't do. No matter how many things they're doing. So no matter how many things are wrong. And invariably they will say something like this, I wouldn't do this. Are you sure about that? Bible says there is no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let me ask you, are you saved tonight? You went to this man Zacchaeus and said to him, are you saved? He said no. And in fact, that's exactly what he wanted. That's what he needed. And for that reason, he is seeking the Savior. And there's going to be left nothing undone, nothing unturned until he finds him. That word is a very strong word. And it says this, he sought He sought to see him. It wasn't just something of a casual nature. My friend, listen. A casual attitude saves nobody. People get saved when they come to a point to realize, I I cannot go any further than this. I've got to stop here until I have this settled. That's the most important thing in your life. So obviously there was a man, we're looking at a man that was a man of character. But again, things are against them. We've noticed another other night when it comes to salvation, everything's against you. Everything that is connected with human life, human nature, is against you. Please understand that. Doesn't matter whether it is friends or family, doesn't matter whether it is your job, when it comes to even gospel meetings. I've had people tell me, you know, I was gonna come to the meeting last night, Mr. McCandless, but and so and so dropped in and we haven't seen her for ten years. Somebody else said, you know, so-and-so called me up and kept me on the phone and this is it. That's the way it goes, friend. When it comes to salvation, you have got to get past that. 
Whether it is a blind man that can't even see a step in front of him. It says that he gets past the crowd. I don't know who your crowd is. I have no idea tonight. I can only suggest. I can only surmise what might be keeping you from the Savior. This man could have stepped back and said, Listen, I'm little of a stature. It means I don't measure up. I'm not tall enough. I have a chance of seeing this man called Jesus. For this reason, I'm staying home. But he didn't. Whatever it took. Whatever it took. Is that how you approach salvation? Is that how you look at it? You will not be saved until you do. But not only the character of the man, I want to think of a crisis in this man's life. Because it was that. The Savior is not always going to pass this way. Gospel readings will not always be in this hall. As many years as the Gospels have been preached in this hall, and long before I was around or knew where Prospect Street, Midland Park ever was, the Gospel was preached here. But it will not always be preached here. A Savior will not always be passing your opportunity. You must understand that clearly tonight. This man understood it. There's men through the scriptures and they understood it. It is a now or never situation. You see, the devil does not say to people, well, uh, you know, don't get saved in this series. Hear about it, learn about it. Oh, if that isn't true, how come you didn't get saved last time the gospel was preached here? What happened? I have people come to me and they've said, you know, when that series of meetings came, I made up my mind, I'm going for it. I will, I will be saved before these meetings are over. And before I knew it, the preacher or preachers was announcing this is the last night and still not saved. It'll always go on that way. You know something will happen? You'll get used to it happening that way. I just simply come to the conclusion, well, I can listen to it and it may or may not happen, but that's just me. Not so. Not so. This was a definite crisis in this man's life. And it was this. I must have that now. And before that sun went down in that sky, that man knew Christ as his Savior. Let me ask you, honestly, would you like to go home from this gospel meeting with something you did not have when you came? A Savior? Would you not like to go home knowing that you're saved? Knowing that you will never be in hell? Coming to understand that that's why Jesus died. He died on the cross so I could be saved. Would you really want that? That was really the sentiments of this man's heart. But more than that, I want you to think of his call. Here he is, little stature, runs, climbs up into the tree. The Lord Jesus comes his way and he calls to that man. Now see how things, the net gets tighter. Things are coming closer now. See, lots of people, you know, when it would come to a moment like this, uh, you start to be, whoa, and ask them, would you like to be saved? Oh yeah, I'd like to be saved. Would you like to be saved now? Oh. Go to this man and say, Zacchaeus, when would you like to be saved? Now. Now. How can I have this? I sat in a home in western Prince Edward Island. Okay, it would be, he's just commended to the work, home of a man by the name of Brody and Sharon Thibodeau. Brody was raised with the gospel. His mother still is not saved. His father is saved. Brody was raised with the gospel. He knew the gospel and he ran from it. And went to university and uh, he's a very, he's a good singer. And more than that, he's uh, very good on instruments and got into a band, a local band, and did well with it. Was on television and uh, was pretty popular in the west end of the island. Brody got so he wasn't thinking too much about his soul and about meeting God. And uh, yeah, he would come to the occasional gospel meeting. And then gospel meetings, Mr. Robert McElwain and I were having gospel meetings not too far from where Brody lived. 
And after meeting some nights, I would go around and visit Brody and Sharon. Now, the interesting thing was, uh, I couldn't figure it out why uh, Brody was always parking his car behind the house, up on the grass, instead of on the driveway. His wife said to him, well, what are you doing? She said, oh, I just thought, just parking the house for now. Finally, she said to him, like, you know, you're parking there. You don't want Murray to know you're home. And that's not going to change it. He's going to come in anyhow. And I did. Went in this night. And it was just saying kind of a routine visit that you're getting ready for. Finally, everything changed with one question. Sharon looked across the table at me and she said, My brother died two weeks before you came, 23 years of age. Where is my brother? She knew he went to one or two places. That's a hard question to answer. It's not because I had to decide whether he went to heaven or hell. I had to tell her all I knew. And you know what I knew? I didn't know. I said, Sharon, I have no doubt where your I have no idea where your brother is. I can tell you if he's saved, he's in heaven. If he's not, he's not there. But I said, I can tell you this much. That if we could speak for your brother just now, speak to your brother, and say, you know, we're sitting in your sister's kitchen at this moment. And we don't know what to tell her. Whether your brother is in heaven or whether he's in hell. You know what she'd say? You tell my brother, whatever he does, don't miss this. You tell my sister, rather, whatever happens, don't miss this. You know what her next statement was? And I don't want to miss it. I want to be saved. Where do I start? How can I be saved? I tell you, any gospel preacher loves to hear that. And uh, I left her some tracks, prayed, and I left. No, I didn't sit down talking at any great length with her. I think it was four days after that she got saved. It was the next week. Her husband Brody got saved. He was just commended to the work uh, just the beginning of this month. A girl that was desperate to be saved. Can this salvation for you, young man, wait until tomorrow morning? Dear lady, tonight, anyone in this gospel meeting not saved, let me ask you, can it wait till tomorrow morning? If it can, you do not want it bad enough. Because there's a Savior that's calling to you. Above and beyond my voice. It may not even be what I'm speaking about tonight. So often people get saved and they'll say something like this. Don't remember a thing that preacher said. Because I didn't. I only remember what the man was preaching on when he got saved. Because he told me after. Because he wanted me to put that in my story. I don't know what he was talking about. I mean I know he was preaching the gospel. My mind was projected miles away. But God spoke to me in that meeting. As I sat there, God spoke to me. And I come to the realization, I don't want to go to hell. And to the understanding, and admit was absolutely true, I could be there. I could be there. Finally I started thinking, I will be there. I changed everything. And I made up my mind I was going to get saved that night. I didn't get saved that night. Fell asleep as I was sitting on the side of my bed or laying across it reading gospel tracts. But I got saved the next night. A call. Very important friend. Don't miss a call when God calls. Now that is not something mysteriously that's going to come out of the trees on some walk through a nature park or whatever as people sometimes told me. Or something when you're in your backyard. Nobody else hears it but you hear this voice. God speaks through his word. He can speak through circumstances that happen in your life that will ultimately bring you to his word. But finally what God is going to speak to you by and about is His Son through His Word. Whatever you do, don't miss it.
a number of years ago, a very interesting thing happened this when your very former popular president, President Ronald Reagan, was president while he was in office. He did some things a lot of other presidents didn't do. They were good things. Commendable things. This particular afternoon, he had asked his secretary to put forth a call down to uh, Missouri and uh, down to a place called Richmond Heights, Missouri. It was to a trailer park. You know, just a park where people live in trailers. And named an individual. She said, call that man. So I want to speak to him. And it was a, it really was a senior citizen complex and they were senior citizens that lived in that trailer park. So the secretary to President, former President Ronald Reagan did just what she was asked to do. She put forth the call. The senior... On the other end, the gentleman picked up the phone and he was advised that the White House was calling him. He said, don't give me that. He said, no, 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 no. No White House is calling me. Hung up. Phone rang again. And of course, I guess maybe some of these senior citizens do what younger people do. They kind of play tricks on each other, some games on each other. This is no game for him. Second time it rang and same thing. He said, listen, quit pestering me. There is no White House calling me. No president wants to speak to me. Put it down again. Finally, after the persuasion of a Southwest Bell operator and a neighbor that came to his trailer, calling him by name, said, President Reagan does want to speak to you. The phone is going to ring one more time. You can pick it up or you can leave it there. He waited. Phone rang. Picked the phone up. Secretary said, "The president would like to speak with you, sir." And uh, at this moment, he was very, very nervous. Finally, Mr. Reagan came on the line and uh, Mrs. said, "What are you calling me for?" He said, "Can I call you?" He said, "Yes, you can." But what do you want? Isn't that isn't that how sinners treat God? They think God wants something. God wants to give you something, lady. God wants to give you something. What do you want? He says, not particularly what I wanted. He says, if you want to know, I was wondering, how are you today? He says, I'm fine, I'm all right. Well, that's good. He says, you just have yourself a good day. Goodbye. Do you know that man got off that phone and he went trailer to trailer to tell his neighbors that the president called him? Some of them didn't believe him. You know what they said? He didn't care. He didn't care. He had absolute proof that he had a call nobody else had a call that day. My friend, a call like that may never come from the White House to you. But I want to assure you tonight there's a call coming from higher quarters than that. There's a call that comes from heaven tonight. The Lord Jesus calls through his word and he calls the people in a gospel meeting. Night after night. Calls people sometimes when they wake up in the morning. Driving down the road. i got a friend of mine lives in the city of Toronto, Ontario. Heard the gospel all his life. They lived in a little house in Nova Scotia. Not a very big house because I've stayed in it. And Tim Berry one morning was shaving in a little bathroom with a slope ceiling that if you were higher than six foot, you'd have to bend over really to, to shave or whatever at the sink. And he looked over in a little wee text like that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Heard the text many times. Heard men quote it. Heard men preach about it. That moment, that day, you know, came through to Tim finally. Is this true? After all the gospel I've heard, that he is still calling me? 
And he couldn't get away from it. He thought, I, I just, this is just a morning thing. And it was still bothering him by noon. He thought, you know, I get past this day, I'll, I'll forget about this. Thank God he didn't. At that night, it was still bothering him. And the next morning, it was bothering him. Before the day was out, that man had trusted Christ as his Savior. That was a call that you don't want to miss, my friend. There's a lot of calls today. We live in the caller ID world. People pick up a cell phone just like, like I do and say, yeah, I just don't think so. Not right now. That's it. My friend, listen. Make no mistake about it. Don't ignore this call. Make sure that you don't miss it. This man was determined he was not going to miss this call. As a result of it, he didn't. But he's up in this sycamore tree. Okay, give him credit. But you know, that man cannot get saved up in the tree. Nobody gets saved that looks down on Christ. Okay? I have no idea, excuse me, I have no idea how high that tree was. It's called a buttonwood tree. They weren't known to be real high trees, but very bushy trees. I have no idea whether the tree was any higher than this podium is. But I'll tell you this, the man still has to come down. Every person, including you, sir, takes higher ground than you should. They want God to save them at a level as I did. And my level was just a little bit above you. Simply because of the home that I was lived in, things I didn't do. And even though I wanted to do them, my father wouldn't let me do them. And I'd look down the road at neighbors and think, why? They do that? I wouldn't do that. Sure I would. I wasn't allowed to do them. And I thought, yes, I need to be saved. But I had some imaginary level up here that God should reach and save me at. What's going to happen, friend? I had to understand, I had to learn from the Bible what you must learn. No difference. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. But you know, that, that, call, that tree really would represent something to that man. It would represent his efforts. And he thought because of his efforts, he should be recognized for that. Like the rich young ruler that comes running to the Lord Jesus. How many people in your Bible came running to the Lord Jesus? The only one that I know of. He could have stood back and said, hey, wait a minute now. I've come running. Doesn't that count? That doesn't count. Doesn't count. It's a good thing to go for Christ. There's nothing that should be more urgent. But that's not going to add up. This tree represented his efforts. And he had to come down from that. Maybe it represented his expectation. Maybe he thought, well, I can just stay here. The Lord Jesus will speak to me. And before I come down to this tree, I will be saved. But he was not saved until he came down from that tree. But that tree represented an error in his thinking. The error in his thinking was this. That because of who he was, because of who he was, there would be some kind of a salvation for him that wasn't for anybody else. And he had to realize he had to be saved the same way as anybody else. More than that. Just think about this call for this man for a minute. You know, it, it was something that was very, very personal. And salvation becomes that, friend. It becomes a very personal call. You will sit in a gospel meeting like this and feel like you're the only one here. And you may not know, the night that God was speaking to me, I have no idea whether you're speaking to anybody else in the meeting. And personally, I didn't care. It didn't bother me at that time. It had come down to one person. It had come down to me. And what am I going to do with this? I couldn't be accountable for all those cousins of mine that were sitting in the same meeting. I couldn't be accountable for, for people back then that were just visitors that had come into that high school auditorium. But it was me. It was a very personal call. And the Lord Jesus came to the foot of the tree, and he looked up to that tree, and he said to Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down. Not only was it a very personal call, it was a very pressing call. 
You know, there's something about that that makes people just kind of shy away. That makes people kind of back off. And they'll sometimes say about the pressure. Okay? I've been accused many times of pressuring people to come to meeting and not pressuring them into salvation. I don't do that. My friend, listen, if I could put enough pressure on your soul to keep it out of hell, I'd do it. Whether you liked it or whether you didn't. Would it be worth it? Sure it would. I'm not here to do that. Understand this was the most urgent thing that had ever crossed his path, ever was in his life. The Lord Jesus said to him, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. What was a personal call and what was a pressing call was a very plain call. Whenever God called a man, whether it was Adam in the garden, his calls were very plain. Nobody had to stand back and say, oh, what's he mean by that? You know, people will say things to us, and people will ask us certain things, and there's an ulterior motive in their thinking. Sometimes the better we know them, we think, what really do they want? There's no question in this man's mind what the Savior wanted. What the Savior wanted was for this man just simply come down from that tree. And what does it say? He did just exactly that. It says that he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. Joyfully. That's the only way that anybody gets saved, friend. Only people that get saved are people that receive him joyfully. They're relieved. They're just so thankful. So thankful that he has come and saved them. That they have come out of that terrible darkness that they were in. And they're just so thankful that he has received them joyfully. You know something? Not only have does a person receive him joyfully, he receives them the same way. Luke chapter 15, he picks up that sheep joyfully. Places it upon his shoulder and he takes it home. So it was a call. Understand it was very personal. It was very pressing. Very plain. You know something else? It was a very present call. It wasn't a call that was going to be indefinite. What's the call? Well, come when you like. But this was a call that was very present. He says, today I must abide at thy house. Today I must abide at thy house. There's no guarantee for tomorrow. He had absolutely nothing that would guarantee him for tomorrow. It was today. The Bible speaks that way. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Now we come to this lovely text. The Lord Jesus Christ declares this man a son of Abraham. A son of Abraham? Did that make him Jewish? It made him a believer. Because Abraham believed God. And Galatians chapter 4 tells us that everyone that had placed his faith in God, in Christ, was a child, was like Abraham. He literally had expressed faith in God. I like what the Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 27. People are saying, I believe the master of the ship, and they believe this, and they believe that. Paul steps forward and he says, I believe God. And we have that beautiful text. At least I certainly think it's beautiful. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the good news of the gospel, friend. That's the only kind of people that get saved are people that are lost. They're not people I... A lot of people know a young man that attends a lot of our conferences, has been at your conference in this hall and other halls and every other hall. And I look at that poor boy, you know what I think to myself? He's still trying to figure it out. He is still trying to figure it out. You'll never figure it out. You have to take it for what it says. And it says you are lost. And it says the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
That's the marvelous news of the gospel. I just had meetings in the state of Iowa a few years ago. And of course out in Colorado, a little further to the west of the state of Iowa, great skiing country for cross country and downhill in the wintertime. This particular day there was a couple that were very, very avid outdoor skiing family. A man, a couple, and their daughter, the Walkers. They don't know what's their last name. They were advised by the local authorities that this was not a good day, even though they were experienced, even though they had the necessary gear and everything else for something that was unexpected, they were advised not to go. Simply that the snowfall would be so intense that they wouldn't be able to see their hand in front of their face. That's how heavy it can snow in the state of Colorado at times. Literally dumps it on the state. However, on this particular day, Dan and Deborah Walker and their daughter Camille decided that they were going to go. Mr. Walker's words were these. We're not really going to go that far and we'll be able to make it back. And they didn't go very far. And uh, his wife started to have that kind of look of quandary on her face and she looked at her husband and she said, uh, are we okay? Yeah, he says, we're, we're alright. We're going to be alright. But he wasn't too definite either. They'd only gone a few hundred feet, and finally he stopped. Now they, at this time, they're always away from the lodge. They'd taken off trails, gone into a kind of a remote area. The last thing he wanted to admit was that he was lost. And she looked at her husband, and she says, Dan, we're in trouble. She says, we are lost. <clears throat> he said this. He said, you just stay here. He says, you and Camille stay here. He says, I'll go for help. He was never seen again. Fortunately, some rescuers came and they found Deborah and her daughter Camille already with exposure to frostbite, hypothermia that had set in, but they were rescued in time. A rescue team was called together to go out and look for their husband, Dan. He's well known. In fact, I think he sat on some of the boards that controlled the skiing in that area. They put together a search team, men that knew him very well. Men that thought they might know where he went. They searched best they could. Snow kept falling. They could find no Dan Walker. Finally, when they come back in, there was a few in the search party, and uh, they were friends of the family. They're standing there, and the man that was coordinating the search looked at them. He said, "What's your plans?" Oh, he said, "We're going to go back, and we're going to look for Dan." He said, "Oh, what do you got in your hand?" He said, "I got a whistle." You going to look for Dan? Yeah. He said, what do you got? Oh, I got this flashlight. He said, if you don't mind me asking, what are you hoping to do? And they said, there's only one thing we're hoping to do, sir. We're hoping to get his attention. Hoping to get his attention. They never got his attention. What they found was not Dan Walker, but they found his body. It's too late to get his attention. She said, this gospel meeting tonight. I appreciate every night we have the attention of the people that are attending. But my friend, there's an attention that you need far greater than mine. Then listen to me. It's that paying attention to what God has said. Because your condition was just like this man. Though you may think that your life is, there's so many things in your life that are so commendable. Though there's things in the character of your person that people have to respect. And, and they likely do. That doesn't change it. You're lost tonight. Everybody is born into this world in the condition of being lost. 
That's why the Bible says, Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. I think maybe I might have mentioned it the other night. That's why when you go to Luke chapter 15, we'll likely speak on it some night. I mean, there's a sheep there, and let's spin it. There's a time when that sheep wasn't lost. But it strays and it becomes lost. There's a coin, a piece of silver that a woman has. It was not always lost. There's a time when it became lost. You come to the prodigal son. There's always a time when he was lost. That's human nature. He was lost long before he left the father's house. He was not lost when he realized it. He was long, long, lost long before he realized it. So you may sit to me like this and say, Well, that sounds good, Mr. Preacher. Sounds very well together. It's all put together. I really don't feel that I'm lost. Doesn't change it. Doesn't change it, my friend. You are not lost because of your feelings. You're lost because this book says tonight, You are lost. That's some good news. You may say, Well, I thought the gospel was good news. I really didn't come here tonight to be told that I'm lost and I'm on a broad way taking me to a place I don't want to go to. I didn't come to hear that. Well, I've got good news for you. The good news for you is this. That's who he came for. That's who he came for. He came for the lost. That's why he said to the people in his day, I didn't come for the righteous people. People think they don't need this. I came to call sinners to repentance. He put it like this. He said, people are well, they they don't need a doctor, they don't need a physician, but those that are sick. He said, I've come for the sick. I've come for the unrighteous. I have come for the lost. And I want to tell you, that was a thrilling night in my experience where I realized he actually came for me. In fact, the night that I got saved, I had just given up. I was reading halfway through a gospel paper that was supposedly to help me. I don't want to say the track confused me. I can't say that it confused me, but it certainly did not help me. Something was wrong. There's nothing wrong with the gospel track. What was wrong was me. And I put it up on the table. I said, that's it. I, I can't get this. I had just resigned myself to the fact I'll never be saved. And I just settled for the fact that I'll, I will be in hell. The darkest moment in my entire existence. I can remember sitting inside that bed and I was crying. I looked up that track and I thought, well, I'll finish reading it. And I picked it up and the first verse that I read was the verse that I have read here at the end of this. these ten verses. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. This would be the best night. This would be the finest night in your whole life if you were to discover I'm the lost one. Not that the man at the Gospel Hall is talking about I'm the lost one that God says that I am. And you call out for salvation. Call out, cry, and be like that man, Peter. Lord, save me. I can tell you on the authority of the word of God tonight, he will save you. Shall we pray?